Hi, this is Day for Night with Kari That Switch, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry, and the Angelans, and the wilderness. In today's episode, I'm going to start with uh, a section from a very soon to be titled piece uh, that I've read from before, actually, in recent episodes, as I've been writing and doing this experiment of writing something new and also simultaneously uh, sharing some of the writing with all of you out there in the world. Uh, So this time, instead of a monologue, it's actually a scene with three characters. And the scene is set in a factory where people make things don't make things I should say and I think that's all you need to know I'm not gonna do funny voices or anything to differentiate the characters I'm just gonna read the scene and imagine that three people are speaking Uh, yes I think that's all you need to know scene is very self-explanatory clocked in late got caught in transit worked fine for me that's cause you don't live all the way out rex you're not that far joan sometimes i think i live in ice country still dreaming about they'll go and not just in mind better stay focused while you're here boss is in a mood today probably doing coke nah Boss is a total addict. You, no proof. I've seen them do things. On the job? Oh yeah, but on break. Once? Don't remember. They told me to run an errand. I was like, okay. I go to the supplies place on market, get some things for their office, gadgets, and the like. I see them going into a strip joint, all coked up. You sure you're talking about our boss? The one and only. Maybe they've a double. What you mean, lot? Like a twin? Yeah. Nah, this was them, all right. Trip joint, eh? The one Lionel works at. All right, okay. So, Lionel's the one that told you the story then. Saw the boss with my own eyes. Say hello? Why would I do that, Rex? Boss likes you, right? I just clocked him, that's all. Dreaming up a game, then. Total revenge fantasy, yeah. Well, ask them to pay us more. Can't live on this. Enough to get by. Or you get a raise we don't know about. Nothing like that, lot. Then what are you on about? Nobody here makes enough to get anywhere. Fair wage act, though. Yeah, but what we get out of it? Rockets? Nothing looking for life on other planets. But us here, uh, no sooner, fair wage gets handed down after we put up a fight, then all else blows sky high. We can't afford anything with our so-called fair wage. It's all a racket. Everything's a racket, even this. Like, what we do with this job? Buy things? Pay rent and the like. Don't own an effing thing, though. 
and everything we got is falling apart. Walk into some store, try to get something nice, it breaks down. 50 seconds. They make things like crap. So we have to keep buying the same things over and over. Like Sisyphus, we are. What? Like the myth in the story. I don't know what your story you're talking. Old story. Read it once in school. Teacher said it was the story of our times, even though it was written in a whole other century. Well, all I know is they make things like crap. And we pack them. <laughs> we don't make a thing here yet, but we pack things. Don't know why they call it a factory. How's that? People make things in factories. That's the root of the word two-factor, right? We stop for a moment, look out into the grayness of the factory. The air is heavy. Our arms feel like weights. We breathe, grunt, sway. Work is work is work is work. And then they keep making us a bunch of promises, beautiful words and slogans. And for a while we believe them because the words are nice and we feel them in our hearts. Justice, power. But at day's end, we're back where we started. Still near the dock, working in this place, waiting for the effing check every week like it was gold, like we were still in the Middle Ages. They didn't have factories in the Middle Ages. The word factory comes from the Middle French. I'll have you know. It's all right. Yeah, they worked us just the same all the way back then. Probably even worse, eh? Those that are under always get worked over. It's always been a racket. Time in memorial. Not in the cave days. Even in the cave days. The early humans walked about. Somebody sure as heck made them all sorts of promises and then took all the rocks and sticks and whatever the hell pelts they had on hand and just hoarded them while everyone else shivered in the cold and died in despair. There are nice things though. How's that? Goodbye. Sometimes. Shiny things. Make us feel good. I don't want things to make me feel good. I want the world to be good. Impossibility. Yeah. I've always been a too-much-to-ask type. Maybe it was a royal in a former life. Screw the royals. I'm with you there, but they've money. People's money. Hardly any royals left anymore anyway. The ones that are, though. The ones that are so-called designated. And that includes celebrities and the like. Ah, the pseudo-royals, whatever you want to call them. The ones with fat accounts and foreign banks and hundreds of fancy offshore properties. Stole them all from the people. Now we like looking at their lives though. Any of those that live like royals, or rather, we like living vicariously as if their lives were soap. Oh, look at what they did. Oh, look what they're doing now. Oh, look how much money they've spent on this and that. They're our entertainment. Our anger calls for our rage. Yeah, mighty rage. Grunt, move. Factory smells of old wars and the hurt of labor. We put the backs of our hands to our foreheads and let sighs fall from our lips. Soon there will be drinks and better days, better days than this. Funny how that is. I wonder if the boils ever look at us like we are entertainment. Shun us more like. Not always. When have they ever not? Like, 
when one of us dies tragically and it makes the news, sometimes they say things, the rich ones, they speak their sadness or pretend sadness and even shed tears, real tears, right there in close-up. And then they set up a charity. Send your donations. Like they really feel for us for a while. And the world's united. Screw that. We'll never be right. Maybe one day. Are you feeling optimistic all of a sudden? Just hopeful. Same thing. Not a bit. We'll tell the boss then. Tell them next time you catch them walking to the strip joint that you need to fatten our checks with some hope. And that's a scene from uh, very soon to be titled Peace. Uh, so it's a little sneak peek on that. And uh, I'll end today with, I'm actually going to read from uh, a piece by Andy Smith and Arnold uh, Zvine. But before I do that, I want to contextualize it. Um, the piece uh, that I'll read from is called Communism, uh, a Manifesto for Radical Equality and Radical Freedom. And I uh, just want to lay out uh, what that is, uh, if you haven't guessed. Uh, it's a term that was coined by the president of the American Policy Center uh, and then redefined uh, in a new book called Communism, A New Aesthetics of the Real, edited by Nico Docks and Pascal uh, Gillen. I hope I'm saying those names right. Um, the, the definition uh, from the book Communism is a new radical practice-based ideology based on the values of sharing, common intellectual ownership, and new social cooperations. And I'm just going to read a section from their introduction before I read from Andy's work. So um, you'll see that they're kind of aligned. Um, so this is from the introdu introduction of communism, a new aesthetics of the real. After half a century of neoliberalism, a new radical practice-based ideology is making its way from the margins. Commonism, with an O in the middle, it is based on the values of sharing, common intellectual ownership, and new social cooperations. Commoners assert that social relationships can replace money, contract relationships. They advocate solidarity, and they trust in peer-to-peer -peer relationships to develop new ways of production. Communism maps those new ideological thoughts. How do they work, and especially what is their aesthetics? How do they shape the reality of our living together? Is there another, more just future imaginable through the commons? What strategies and what aesthetics do commoners adapt? Uh, and this is also from their introduction. Uh, the book explores this new political belief system, alternating between theoretical analysis, wild artistic speculation, inspiring art examples, almost empirical observations, and critical reflection. So this foregrounding. Uh, so Andy Smith and Arnold Zveen, uh, writing together as Smith and Zveen, did a tour to peace in 2018 uh, called Communism with an O. Uh, and I'm just going to read from the first edition. Uh, 
it's very short, so easily read. And, and this was this um, it's a little booklet, and it was after they did their piece, they handed this booklet uh, to the audience to take home. And it has, I'll describe it to you. It has um, a text of the kind of framework that they they're imparting with the audience, and then empty pages uh, for the audience to fill in, write in. Uh, take home and and make make something of them. So there's a the book starts with the three epigraphs. The first one is from Karl Marx, uh, which says as follows: uh, The philosophers philosophers have only interpreted the world. The point is to change it. The next one is from Bertolt Brecht: Art is not a mirror held up to reality but a hammer with which to shape it. And the last one is from Sarah Ahmed. We is not a foundation, but what we are working toward. Okay. And so here's where the text begins. Change is possible. Change is necessary. Change is inevitable. The world needs to change we need to change. Our aim now is to work toward a radically equal and free society, a society founded on the principles of what we call communism. If our world is to survive, then the reach for a state of communism is essential. Power has been taken away from the hands of a majority to the control of a minority. We live in a world where the capitalist mode of production and maximization of profit at all costs stands in the way of prosperity and freedom for us all. We must take action. We must work together against current operations and structures. We must take steps, small and large, individually and together. This will not be done for us. Only we can make it happen. Only we will make this happen. This is our responsibility. We have nothing to lose. We have everything to lose. The future is not fixed. The horizon is ahead of us. We could always do better. We need to make progress and continue to make progress. We need to work towards the following seven interconnected principles. These are principles that will make the world a fairer, safer, and freer place for everyone. The first principle is radical equality. We are all born free and equal in dignity and rights without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, gender, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth, or other status. However well formulated and acted upon in historical examples of philosophy, religion, and politics, this fact is seldom respected in practice. As well as thinking about these ideas, we must act upon them. A radical equality for all of us must be the primary aim and basis of the organization of human life, from everyday operations to global events. Equality is the condition of our second principle, which is radical freedom. 
Today, economic and political power belongs to the few. The understanding of freedom is incomplete. We think that all we need to be free is to be left alone. This is not enough. We do not need freedom in theory. We need freedom in practice. Radical freedom is to have the power to make the choices we want for all of our lives and our future. This is the only possible way to emancipation for every one of us. Thirdly, we must create and impose conscious limitations on both ourselves and others. For too long, we have neglected that we exist in an ecosystem with limited resources. This is not sustainable. A few now hold and control what are our common resources. Efforts to redistribute these are necessary and they are urgent. This would give us a greater chance to live free and rich lives and fulfill our potential. There must be a maximum limit on the economic resources any one individual can possess. Anything above this limit should be redistributed amongst the global community. The aim is that our wealth is shared. None of this is easy, but it is possible. The fourth principle is a universal basic income. Payment in exchange for working time has through all of modern human history been the central organizing principle for distributing resources. Without work, there has been no money. This has to end. In the future, we have to share both the work that is left and the wealth we are creating. We must achieve a break in the connection between work and pay. We recognize that communities will still need people to contribute to the common work of society. We also recognize that people are willing to give a contribution to the common good of society. A universal basic income or universal basic share will be offered to all us around the globe unconditionally, regardless of other aspects of life. For any of this to work, we need open borders. Borders are a serious limitation to human freedom. Our geographical position currently determines our chances of prosperity and happiness. These aspects of life should not depend on which side of a line we may be born. Borders are neither natural nor given. We have constructed them. We can change them. We must. Contrary to current populist belief, this action will not create a crisis of migration. Even without borders, we know that the large majority of us prefer to work and to settle where we have our home and family. The notion of an open border is no threat to humanity. We should be able to move as we wish. We must be able to live and work anywhere. The sixth principle is the creation of a new international democracy. We share a common society connected through technology and culture. Our economy is global. Our trade is global. Our rights and values human beings are international. Our governing structures are not. The political order of today is based on nation states locked in a pointless fight for the survival of the fittest. This is a threat to humanity that must end. We need sh to shift power from nation states and multinational enterprises to international democratic structures. The will of all the people shall be the basis of all global power structures. Finally, 
we must take responsibility for the future. We all live in the ecosystem of planet Earth. We are all dependent on it. Without this ecosystem, there can be no humankind. This knowledge has to be the basis of all our actions and all our utilization of nature. We must understand the consequences of our actions upon the planet and alter them accordingly for our survival. We are currently creating new life that has the potential to surpass us. AI will be a new player in our ecosystem. It must be controlled under, inter under international law governed by international democracy. This is our framework for continual movement forward. This is commonism. Whoever we are and wherever we are from, we recognize that we both meet and make challenges to this future every day. However small or large these challenges are, we must act upon them. We must begin with ourselves. We have a responsibility for the life and freedom of all humans from today and in the years that lie ahead. If we desire this future, then we must begin now and keep beginning. The work is in front of us, the horizon forever there. And that's by Andy Smith and Arun Svind, uh, collaborating together on a manifesto for radical equality and radical freedom. Ah, oh, and that is today's episode. <laughs> As always, this is about you and I in this theater. You're there in the dark. And I here, wondering who you are. Thanks for listening. Today for night. <laughs>